This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 785. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing preview podcast for the weekend coming up. Undisputed versus undisputed. Might have passed you by. Mm. Uh, but we'll get stuck into that in a moment or two. Fightdisciples.com is our website. If you want to subscribe to this stuff, we have got every audio feed under the sun for you to uh, choose from. And we're also on YouTube as well. Thank you so much if you've already descri- uh, described subscribed to our YouTube channel. You could describe it as well if you want. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, get up there. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any of our content, especially if you want to watch it uh, rather than listen to it. And why wouldn't you? The sex is here and he's got his hat back on. Look at your son. Hey. The hat guy is back. Look at the state of me barnet. That's why the hat guy is back. This is Anaheim Angels, I think they're called. Don't, they're not my team. Before everyone goes berserk in the in the comments down below, I just like that. That's American sport for you, as we described last week. It's not real. It's just a hobby. All right. I had no idea who the team was that you were wearing. I've seen you wear that hat before. Anaheim Angels. Mm-hmm. I think they're a Major League Baseball team. <laughs> you just like the hat. Yeah, baseball. Correct. I know my American sports. <laughs> there you go. Uh, quite a lot of boxing, actually, to uh, get stuck into this weekend. We've got world title Shed fights, load. we've got undisputed guys going at it over in the States. We've got a little bit of action going on here in the UK as well. We've got maybe... You've got stuff that's not even on telly as well that is uh, popping up in uh, in the heavyweight division. But we'll get to all that throughout the course of the show. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start with, I, I, I certainly don't want to start at your call. Let's start at Wembley. Let's let's stay domestic and then we'll build up towards international. So let's start on a positive. Let's start at Wembley. Wembley's, an, Wembley's a really interesting fight, of course. We're talking about the IBF World Cruiserweight title on the line. It's on the zone. We've got a really interesting main event. And the reason I say it's an interesting main event is... You've got a champion and a challenger who are based there. And they're both undefeated. Someone's always got to go. Loads of nice headlines, everything else. Jordan Thompson from London, or based in Manchester, has got a world title opportunity on the back of one win. Let's be honest, a win over Luke Watkins last time out. And he's got this incredible opportunity against Jaya Pattaya. And Jaya Pattaya is the man that beat the man. But Mm. Jaya Pattaya, just like Jordan Thompson, became world, tight, world champion on the back of one win. A, a weird shot at Marius Breeders that come from nowhere, and he took it with both hands and he became world champion. So I think we've got a champion and a challenger here who've based their entire contendership or championship in Apatia on their last performance. Prior to their last performance, they're beating nobodies. They're beating guys that they should be guys. They're beating, like, you know, a certain level of opponent, let's say. And Jordan Thompson gets one win, gets a world title shot. Jaya Patai gets a title shot from nowhere and takes it with both hands. So it's a hard fight to break down because you're basing it off two standout performances in their last fight and very little else. Yeah, Thompson's getting an opportunity, mate, because this division it, over the last 12 months seems to be a, a little bit of a mess. So Patai obviously a shot to fame from beating Bredis. Um, and if you remember literally, in the build-ups... Literally on beating Bredis. Yeah, like prior to that, 
But if nobody... you remember when, if you remember the build up to that, Breedis was chasing Jake Paul. It was, a, it was the, the whole thing was a mess. And then obviously Breedis gets his opportunity to fight. Sorry, Opatay gets his opportunity to fight. Breedis beats him, and then he's been out of action for just over twelve months. Yeah, uh, because of various things. If you remember in that particular fight, he broke his jaw in two places, so therefore he had to go and get his uh, jaw sorted out, uh, so he couldn't fight in the immediate aftermath of that. He then um, was matched up. I can't remember who he was matched up with, but he ended up hurting hurting his shoulder and ended up pulling out. Then he had Masternak as his mandatory. Masternak then pulls out the fight. Then you had the situation with Riakpour, where the purse bid nonsense, and then boxer pull Riakpour out of the fight. So it's just been, this is his first fight defending his championship since he beat Brady. It's over 12 months ago. It's been ridiculous, really. Not necessarily on his fault. Injuries and other people pulling out of fights. The kid's not been able to get a knock, Jai Opataya. Uh, and then, obviously, I say obviously, in, in the meantime of all that, Matchroom have signed him. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of the showcase of him. This is the first time that he's fought on British soil since 2012. 2012 Olympics. Check this out, right? Jai Opataya. I remember, this is a real random thing for me. So I worked on the 2012 Olympics. Jai Opataya's fight was the first ever fight that I covered. Was it, yeah? First ever fight. He was sick. I think he was 17. He qualified for the Australian national team as a 16-year-old. And he, by the time the Olympics came around, 17 years of age, he uh, he competed at the Olympics. Madness, wow. mate. He, he had a decent uh, amateur career, won some wonderful uh, accolades, youth. especially. Uh, yeah, he was, a youth, youth. he was a standout youth. I'm sure he won the world world championships as a youth. In Aust- yeah, in Aust- yeah. He, mate, he was magnificent. Obviously, he's turned over now, uh, and he's still uh, a relatively uh, young man. But he's uh, this is the first time that he's been back on British soil fighting anyway since. Uh, the 2012 Olympics, first time out of Australia as a pro. So there's loads of first times. And obviously he signed this core pro deal yeah. with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. And Thompson's got the opportunity kind of by default because nobody else will, no, the purse bids, all this type of shit. Everybody has kind of reneged on the opportunity to fight for Jai Opataya. Opataya wants the big fights, he wants the unifications, he wants the top fights. Uh, but this is kind of build as a little bit of a showcase of him. Come over here. Let's show everybody what you're all about. And then hopefully we can start to uh, to bring the, the big fights together. So Thompson's got an opportunity. And you're right in what you're saying. Let's be straight. Like the <laughs> but from a Thompson point of view, for anybody, I know that you said like last time out, he got he, he, he had a relatively good win. Yeah, but on the, on the, on the grand scheme of world level fighting, yeah. it for anybody, mate. And he's no, got... No. He's got power, don't get me wrong. I think he's he's stopped 12 of his 15. So he's obviously got a little bit of something there. But this is a gigantic step up. It's gigantic. And I know that we can look at Opatire and say, well, he's only got one win. But that win's elite. Yeah. Bre- Bredis is elite. And he outboxes Bredis. And don't get me wrong, Bredis comes on down the stretch. But Opatire beat him and he beat him handily for yeah. me in that particular fight. Um, I fully expect Opatire... To do to do his thing and come through this fight, but Jordan Thompson has an opportunity. It's not his fault. Absolutely, is here. It's kind of not boxing's fault because boxing tried to make other fights and everybody else ran away from it. The opportunity now has presented itself uh, to Jordan Thompson at the weekend. Go and roll the dice, son. Don't stand wondering. Don't freeze. Have a go because you can change your life forever on Saturday night. 
He can. I'm just having a look down his, his record recently. Obviously, as you say, the Watkins, he's basically got this on the strength of a win over Luke Watkins, who, who himself has fallen short against a certain level of opponents. Yeah. I'm just having a look down since he started fighting internationals. So the last Southport, the last Southport he fought was Isfan Orsos, who's a, quite a serious Hungarian journeyman, who he stopped in three rounds. That was in 2019. Just just wanted to see if he <clears throat> if he'd handled a southpaw before. The problem with Jordan Thompson, and he's got, of course, is the fact that he's a 15 fight novice that he, he had no real amateur experience of any mm. note or at all. Whereas Jai Opatia, okay, and I stand by the fact that Jai Opatia was fighting Australasian club level fighters until the fight opportunity came against Marius Breedis, and he and he took it with both hands and all credit to him. But as a as a pro, he's basically built up a 20-odd fight career in Australasia for nobody of note whatsoever until that opportunity. The difference is he had an extensive amateur career, which he touched upon, was an Olympian, was yeah. a world, a youth, I'm sure it was a youth or a cadet world champion. So he was very high level at a young age. I said, went to London Olympics when he was a teenager, 17. He got, he actually got beat by the uh, the future bronze medalist as well. So yeah, it's he not did. like he, he got beat by a scrub, he got beat by a quality operator. So he's always been a talent guy up attire, but he never really did it as a senior because he turned pro so soon. And as a pro, he's been handled in a certain way. That's not to say he wasn't ready. And as you say, against Marius Breedis, while he was unknown pretty much outside of Australia, he took that opportunity and took it with both hands. I do believe he's a very talented fighter. I do believe he's a, he's a very intelligent southpaw. And for me, that's where Jordan Thompson's going to have to have done so much work in the gym. And I'm sure they've had Southpaw Spar and everything else, but it's a huge, huge ask for Jordan Thompson to step up against Opatire at this level. But touched on it earlier, I think Marius Breedis overlooked Opatire. Mm. And there might be a chance that Opatire's overlooked Jordan Thompson. When did he arrive in the UK? How long has he been here for? What's to, what's the conversation been like? You know, what 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 I presume there's gonna be a media day today, way in tomorrow. What are the, the conversations with the Opata, media? Opata, yeah, like? Opata came in two weeks ago, mate. He came in well, that's good. Sunday, that's just a, gone Sunday before. Well, there you go. So that's so he's so he's not overlooking Thompson. And I would say I would say that means that he's serious, he's intelligent. And you know what? He's probably looking at um some of the other Australian fighters that have based mate. themselves out of the UK and become yeah. stars. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And become very very valuable to both the zone, Eddie Hearn, and their promotion, but also seemingly getting big opportunities and big fights for big money. And Jaya Patias will be like, mate, I want some of that action. So it's a big moment for him. He needs to arrive and he needs to put on his show. And I think a stoppage victory over Jordan Thompson does that. And for, as you say, for Jordan Thompson, mate, you kind of, no one expects him to win. So if you go in there and fucking do yourself credit and do yourself a, and, and just go for it because you've got nothing to lose, I think we could have a decent little scrap on our hands. I'm just, I'm just concerned that Jordan Thompson will have never seen anything to the level that Jayapatai has been at. Hmm. Throw in the mix that he's a southpaw as well. It could be a really uncomfortable night for him. Yeah, Australasian fighting mate at the moment is flying. Obviously, Big we talk Britain. about it a lot. Yeah, the ones. Yeah, but we talk about it a lot. We MMA, don't we? And and, and obviously, we, you get cards in. Uh, the UFC and various other organisations down in down in Australia, where there's elite fighters from all over Australasia uh, that are getting a lot of pop. But if you look into the world of boxing, um, obviously George Cambosas, I know that he's Greek based out of Australian, but yeah. what he did kind of popped. Tim Zoo's flying 
at the moment. And I know that she's come over to the UK, but Sky Nicholson, she's yeah. doing what she's doing. There's a there's a nice healthy crop of who's the other one as well? Who's the other girl? That's where Dave Cole now. Ebony Ebony's come yeah. over, you, you know go. what I mean? Exactly. And she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, man. No, Listen, I, I, I the real deal. And with all due mm-hmm. respect to those fighters, I know that Tim Zhu, we rate him incredibly highly, but Jaya Pattaya is right up there. Like you say, as an yeah. amateur, he was sensational and uh, this could be the start of something uh, pretty special. So obviously that's the, the main event. The problem is the two elite cruiserweights in this country are actually signed with a different promoter, unfortunately. And they've run away from him, with all due respect. <laughs> the, the promoter won't allow him to fight. React Port, this should have been React Port's fight. Yeah. Oh, sorry, three of them, man. <laughs> There's three cruiserweights over there. There's three cruiserweights over at Sky that Jail yeah. Pattaya should be facing off against. But yeah. hey-ho, what about the undercard? Because I'm, I'm struggling here. I've got to be honest with you. I'm struggling to get excited about this undercard. Listen, last week we had a go at that Queensbury card, didn't we? Because of how poor um, it was. Yeah. And I'm sure there's many reasons as to why it was why it was poor. And it kind of all played out last weekend as we all anticipated it to to play out uh, with uh, a boatload of home wins. And it's going to yeah. be exactly the same, I should imagine, this weekend. You look at, you'll build this now as two world title fights and a European title fight and some young prospects coming through. Okay, that's a great headline, but let's be straight about it. Opatai versus Thompson. Thompson, as we've just ex- explained, huge step up. Roll of the dice, opportunity has come your way because others didn't necessarily want that opportunity. Nobody's fault, you're here now, but that's the fight that faces us uh, at the weekend. Ellie Scottney versus Laura Griffith, which uh, is for Ellie's, obviously, IBF Super Bantamweight Championship, which she won uh, last time out. Again, great headline, world title fight. Laura Griffith is two and six in her last eight. Ellie yeah. Scott needs a. This is that's a for me. It's a huge mismatch. I know she's won that, the last that, two. Griffith. That's a that that those losses at domestic level as well. They're like Argentinian national titles Mate. and shit like that. Mate, it's bad. Which, with all due yeah. respect, in uh, women's super bantamweight, there can't be more than half a dozen, and she's not. She can't even beat them. Which is this is a really poor. It's a really yeah. poor world title fight. Yeah. And then you've got Rhiannon Dixon, who we're a, fa- a huge fan of. Obviously, she's, we 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 know people in and around her that are uh, that are coaching her and working with her, uh, taking on uh, uh, Kat- Katrina, Katrina Sanders. This Katrina, this is the only one I think I th- I've got no issue with this. Whatsoever. You like you like that fight, do you? I like it because you've got uh, Rihanna Dixon's only a fight novice. She isn't a big punch. I think she's only got one stop with John there. Fernandes has got. 16 wins on the record, but she's only stopped two as well. So in yeah. terms of power, neither of them have got that power. Trans has won three since she lost to um what's her name? She lost to Bloody hell. She lost to Argyle, world champion. Fuck Terry Harper only... she lost to. Her only lost was the Terry Harper. That's what I was trying to get out. And she went, you know, she went nine, ten rounds with Terry Harper as well. So I, I've got no issue with that fight of, of, of the whole rest of this undercard. Dixon versus Thanders. That, for me, is a good matchup. The rest of it, I've got no interest in whatsoever. Yeah, it's poor. It is poor. Um, should we Why just move so on? Many, uh, listen, uh, and Eddie's been great with women's boxing, and I, and I get it, but there's one, two, three. There's four women's fights on this card. 
Here's one for you. Here's, here's a question, right, for people watching and, and listening to this, because I know that huge fight fans, and I'm sure that you spend your hard-earned money, despite what certain people uh, and their opinion of you, hard-working people that are spending money on their shows. Um, have you spent money on a ticket for that show? And I don't want you to come at me and say, yeah, I am... Jordan Thompson's mate or I'm, um, you know, Ellie Scottney's mate or anything like that. You can't be linked to any of the fighters. You can't have bought the ticket off the fighter because you know him or you're, you're in the gym with him or whatever it may be. Yeah, have you no connection to any fighter on that card and have you bought a ticket. a ticket to go and watch it? Because yeah. I don't think many will have done. No. I don't know what the appeal is there no. for any fight fan at all. And as we've seen this week, holding fight fans... Uh, in a certain regard, ain't going to do you any favours either, is it, when you're coming to try and sell uh, tickets for your shows? Yeah. Well, my builder was supposed to be doing some work this weekend, but apparently really? he's going down there. Is it? Yeah. I was having a good chat with my builder the other day, and he oh. knew an awful amount of boxing. Yeah, exactly, Awful amount. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Correct. Uh, I don't think we need to say anything more about that card. I, I, but I am no. genuinely interested. I'm genuinely interested if you've bought a ticket and you've no affiliation to any of the fighters. Because I don't think anybody will have done. Okay, so here's a question for you. If you are a London-based boxing fan, and there's plenty yeah. of them that watch and listen to this yeah, show. Yeah, tons, man. Tons. Have you made the decision to go across town and buy a ticket for your call instead? Which is Sky's offering this weekend. No, probably not. You've got your call, and you've got a main event featuring Caroline Dubois versus Migali Rodriguez for the uh, for an IBO belt. Um, make it <laughs> out what you will. Now, there's a connection here for me, so I would rather go to your call, but that's purely because I'm a scouser, and there's a scouser on this card. Uh, okay. Nate Corliss. Nate yep. Corliss's dad, Noel Corliss, was a, you know, uh, he, he was only on a certain level, but he was a famous Liverpool boxer in the 80s. He fought Lennox Lewis. He was a heavyweight, you know, and, and Noel Corliss was one of Liverpool's first heavyweights because this was an era of, you know, heavyweights weren't that prominent. So uh, there's a connection there. That's the only reason I would go to your call. I probably wouldn't even stay for Caroline Dubois and Miguel Rodriguez purely because I'd rather get last orders in somewhere instead. Because I know what's going to happen in that fight. Mm -hmm. You're putting Caroline Dubois, who's, for me, one of the hottest talents in world boxing of any gender, taking on a girl that's won one of the last three. Yes. They're draws. Um, don't get me wrong. They're draws. But still. So I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't stay around for that fight. I think Vidal Riley versus Nate Corliss is a good fight. Yeah, I both do. undefeated, both at the right level. It's an English cruiserweight title fight. They're they're really bad fights. Yeah, I think it's an interesting fight. It's an interesting fight on that card. But over the mate, mate, I can't sit here and sing about either of them. If I'm dead we're honest, we're flogging two dead horses here. Let's be honest. Yeah, and I to can't... be totally honest with you, even combined, if this was if Wembley and your call was all put together. And we combined it as one show. <laughs> it's still, it still it's wouldn't still. fucking. I still wouldn't get fifty notes out my face. I still wouldn't pay money for. I still wouldn't get out off my ass and pay money to go. Again, oh, we can do mate. better. We talked about we kick give Frank's on? show a kicking last week, and this What's week we're giving on? Eddie and Ben's shows a kicking as well. This is poor man. 
And I get it. Listen, this is, I get it. If you tell me I can only watch one boxing show this weekend, arguably the best boxing event of the year is happening later in the evening in Las Vegas. We'll come to that. Probably the best card of the year. It's stacked mm. in fucking bits in Las Vegas. And maybe that's why both Sky and DAZN have gone, you know what, let's just let's just hit this fixture. Boom. Let's just put a load no, of No, that's not it. an excuse. That's not the zone have only yeah, picked up the zone have only picked up fucking Canelo this week, man. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Um yeah, listen, on Caroline Dubois versus uh Magali Rodriguez. Rodriguez has been at a, at a good level. She's she's been in with people like Estelle Mosley. We saw it in with Erica Cruz Hernandez, who fell short against uh, Amanda Serrano. So it is on paper a step up for Caroline Dubois. But we know what Caroline Dubois is. She's an elite amateur. We've been banging that drum for a long period of time. We've wanted her to move quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is an absolute BS trinket connected to this, but hopefully with the division that she's in, this kind of then puts her in line in some way, shape or form to be starting to have serious conversations about trying to get in with Katie Taylor, about trying to get in if Chantel Cameron wants to come down to 135, you know, all all those types of conversations for Caroline Dubois because that's the level that we want to see her competing at because we believe that she is that good. She's going to win this. She'll win it quite handily. Um... And as you've rightfully pointed out, Riley versus Qualis is a good fight. With all due respect, no, neither of them have fought anybody of any note to this particular point. Um, I like the fact that the English title is, as you rightfully pointed out, English titles, British titles, area titles, they normally bring up something half-decent. My fear is that your boy, Qualis, has got 12 victories there in this division and he hasn't stopped anybody. No. That's my fear. Because Riley's just going to feel it. He's going to go, really? Okay. I can stand in these and I can let my hands go. And Riley is heavy-handed. You know, I know that uh, people have an opinion on him. I actually like uh, Vidal Riley. I think he's got uh, a little bit of pop about him. And I think that might be the telling factor uh, that Corliss hasn't got that pop to, to put Riley off. But we'll find out Saturday night. Yeah, I think you're right. Honestly, I think you're right. I like I like Nathan Corliss. I like his dad. They're the good the good scouse boxing people. But uh, I'm also a big fan of Vid- Vidal Riley. We're on record of saying Vidal Riley could have cashed his chips in, kid. He could have gone the Tommy Fury route. Yeah. But instead, he wants to build an actual legacy in the sport of boxing, and I respect the fuck out of him for that. He could be on this KSI bill in a few weeks, fighting at whoever, making crazy money. But instead, he's fighting at your call for, you know, a couple of bob fighting for the English Cruiserweight title. Why? Because he wants to be appreciated and thought of and respected as an actual professional boxer. And I respect that. I respect mm. that out of him. Good for him. Just a little bit of a plea to, to, to the broadcasters who were serving this up at the weekend. Can one of you please go and buy Murat Gessiev against Otto Wallen? Fucking right. Exactly. That was the point I was going to make in a second. There's a brilliant fight on your in Europe this weekend. It's not on telly, mate. So frustrated. I was looking yesterday at the listings, couldn't find it anywhere. That as a matchup for a guy that is coming up to this division and making his way, that's been an absolute killer at cruiserweight against a fellow yeah. that's been in with the best heavyweight and giving him absolute hell. Why is no broadcaster bought that fight? Every single boxing fan's going to go. Oh, I won't mind having a look at that. Yeah, that'll be cool. Why, why are we not buying it? Insane, isn't it? Yeah. 
Former unified, former unified cruiserweight champion, taking on fucking Otto Wallen, who, who, as we know, everybody knows who he is. Everyone knows who he is because of what he did with Tyson Fury. So you know, he left Tyson Fury requiring what was it, 165 stitches in his face, <laughs> like. And since then, to be fair to him, he's gone away. He 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 lost against Fury. Don't get me wrong, but he was unlucky. Yeah. He went and beat Travis Kaufman. He went and beat Dominic Brazil. He went and beat fucking Sokolowski. Okay, Sokolowski was probably juiced to the eyeballs. He's beat he's beat good level opposition. He stayed nice and busy, and now he's like, right, okay, yeah, I'll go to Turkey. I'll take on Murat Gassiev, the former unified cruiserweight champion, who after losing to Usyk in the in the World Super what was it called, the World Super Series. Well, yeah, yeah. Boxing Super Series final. Then went to heavyweight. Had two years out. Then came back as a heavyweight. And since then has gone 4-0 as a heavyweight. Gassiev has. He's not the biggest heavyweight in the world. But he's fucking talented. I think this is an absolutely brilliant fight. It really yeah. is. And it's like, why the fuck can't I watch it on me telly? Instead, I'm getting being saved. You know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> why don't the bro... Listen... It'd be so much hey, easier if the broadcasters. Who's in charge of these broadcasters, man? Who's it'd be in so charge? much easier if the broadcaster just went, "Listen, man, come to me with a fight, and I'll tell you whether we're putting it on or not." Correct. Don't, don't. I'm not going to sign a fixture list where you guarantee me 30 weekends or 30 events of the year, and there's your set amount of money, and you crack on. It's fucking ridiculous. Just go. No, we're going to do 30 a year, but you just come to me, and we'll give you right. Tell you what I've got for you, okay? Bring it. Right, so what we're going to do is we're going to do Caroline Dubois, and we're going to take on this girl. Right, okay, that, that's that's your offering. Yeah, sound. What have you got, mate? I've got Murat Gassia versus Otto Wallen. Done, see ya. Okay, bring it next week when you've got something else. Do you know what I mean? Fuck's sake. Like, I'm not but, being funny. Mate, how, how good would it be if that just worked like that? Mate, it'd be brilliant. It would be brilliant. Stop signing long deals with promoters that are serving you shite. Stop doing it. Just pick. Because there's enough, as we keep telling everybody, there is enough good boxing around the world for you to go, actually, that's a good one this weekend. Right, how do we get our hands on that one? Gassier versus Wallin. Every single boxing fan would rather watch that than any of this this weekend, with all due respect. Correct. By a country mile. Um... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then, in kind of a complete flip, thank you very much to DAZN because they've gone out and they've purchased Canelo versus Jamel Charlotte. I don't, well, I don't oh, know if they've purchased God. it, but they've got it. They've got it anyway. Thank God. Yesterday, when I was going through my notes yesterday morning to uh, obviously put this show together, th- there wasn't a British, announced British uh, broadcast. To be fair, was... no, no. To be fair, I knew about this on Monday. I didn't know. It okay. was, well, it wasn't announced. Released. It wasn't announced yeah. until yesterday. I, I didn't know it hadn't been released, but I had a conversation with somebody on Monday afternoon and they were like, yeah, yeah, well, Canelo's on the zone. And I was like, oh, sound. And I didn't put two and two together. I just presumed it was common knowledge. So to be fair, the zone might have just waited to like yeah, okay. announce it at the right time. 
but it's it, they've had it for at least a week, I would say, the best part of a week. But at least I'm just glad because I've got the zone. <laughs> so I haven't got to go and find some streaming channel. I can just fucking jump on it. And to be fair, maybe this is not a the zone pat on the back thing. Maybe this is a PBC thing because thank God for fucking showtime. I know they're on the way out to sports, but they put on the best Mate. events this year. The three best cards this year, including this one, have been put on by on, for showtime. And without them this year, fucking hell, especially with the heavyweight division dragging its feet. And this card could be the best card of the year. I think it's Mate, I've, stacked two bits. I, I fully anticipate, given the news that, we've, uh, that we're hearing about showtime, PBC and DAZN coming together, working together. I mean, I don't know if it worked for PBC in the States. Maybe they're looking at maybe a, ma a mainstream broadcaster, a, a cable over-the-top provider. I don't know what, what the situation is. But DAZN are in for boxing, obviously. Yeah. They need content. They need fights. PBC need a broadcaster. As you've just said, PBC are the guys this year. They've put the best fights on, best cards on. Okay, they're limited, but they've put them on. I think it might work. And maybe this is the start of something good going forward for them. Well, exactly. I'm just going to say that this initial conversation is, is good because previously they've gone to fight TV in the UK and other places like that, which has always baffled me because we've got two over-the-top broadcasters and um, and the zone who are serious players in this market. So, Listen, it, it it's great that it's on the zone. It's great that it's not a pay per view on the zone as well. Yeah, yeah. For British better. fans anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Which is even better. And this is honestly, this card is a stay up all night card. Not just because the main event. And I, you know, I've I've been thinking about the main event all week. I wrote a column yesterday. I'm going to do Nick's picks on it tomorrow. I've watched all the uh, all access. If you go onto Showtime's <laughs> YouTube channel. You're all, in. Series are there. You're all in. And they're obviously that that's the one thing I will miss when Showtime go. They kind of when HBO left the sport and 24-7 was gone, all access where Showtime picked the ball up with the all access show. And it's got the same kind of feel, the same kind of flavor, the way it's edited and put together. I do fucking love it. And I, I would love to see, you know, more broadcasters pick up and especially if Showtime are indeed on their way out of the sport. But uh, but yeah, I, I've been glued to it. And Charlo's an infectious character, man. He's hmm. a talker, isn't he? And I love that. Him and their kid, the talkers. So he's so confident. He's so, like, they're, they're sitting there watching the uh, Caleb Plant fight, for instance. And he's just critiquing Caleb Plant to fuck. And he's like, well, I won't do that. Well, I'm going to stand like that. I won't do that. Oh, I'm going to make this look easy and all that. And you're watching it going, shit. If I was, if I was like, sitting between fucking Charlo and, and Derek James and, Juan Guzman, who's his assistant coach. If I was sitting on that couch, I'd have been convinced as well. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do Canelo, baby. And then obviously reality sits in and I'm like, yeah, you're putting a stone on. Are you going to be able to do that with a stone on your back? And that's kind of the million dollar question, isn't it? Can Charlo do what he does at light middleweight with an extra stone or best part of a stone? That's not to say a weigh at 168, but he's certainly going to be north of 160, 162, 163. Not a bit, well, maybe a bit heavier, not to give himself a, too much of a disadvantage. But how will that work? Because he's a dancer, Charlo. You know, we've seen that in recent fights. He, he likes to dance, he likes to move. But when it's time, he plants his feet and he fucking lets bombs go. That's why he's got so many highlight wheel knockouts on his record. That's why he's as good as he is. The problem is against Canelo, as soon as you plant your feet, a little ginger motherfucker just tears into you, doesn't he? 
So I'm 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 all in on this fight. Honestly, I'm all in. You know, yes, yeah, what has Canelo done for me lately? Well, he's come through a third fight with a 40-year-old Golovkin. Won it by a couple of rounds, but it was hardly like, you know, bomb. It was, it was, he won. For the, it's the one of the three fights where I can 100% say he won. But it wasn't vintage Canelo. And then last time out against John Ryder, John Ryder proved to the world that he's fucking tough as old boots, man. But again, Canelo Alvarez, he won. He won impressively. But there was moments there when he was getting caught by John Ryder when he looked a little, but he was missing with big shots. And then as he got to that point, <clears throat> as he lost to the one undefeated fighter that this sport can never defeat, i.e. father time, even though Charlo was actually older. Charlo was a month or two older than Canelo. Mm. But Canelo, of course, has been in far bigger fights for far longer period. He's had been 65 a pro since he was 15. fucking yeah. pro fights. <laughs> He's been around forever. And as, the, as father time caught up with him, if Father Time has, if that version of Canelo, the John Ryder version, that that kind of, you know, slightly off, slightly slow, just a split second time and slightly off, if that version turns up and Jamel Charlo, a extra large version of what he does at like middleweight turns up, I think we've got a proper fucking fight on our hands. But we just don't know. With all due respect, Golovkin at the age of 40, been out for a while. Canelo, here we go again, yeah. Then, with all due respect, John Ryder, another mandatory. Okay, well, let's just get this out the way. This is a headliner. This is a legacy Adam fight. This is a undisputed versus undisputed. It means something. It okay. This adds to my legacy again. And I don't know whether Canelo will go. Boop, you know, they both had hand injuries as well, which is an excuse for previous performances. Charlo's been out for over a year. Honestly, it's like a fucking onion. This fight. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, you're right. We we seem to be a long way away from the destruction of 2021 with Canelo, yes. don't we? That run when he just went through the whole super middleweight division Ten and he months, was taking was out it? all the undefeated champions. And yes, okay, Yildrim was in there at some point because of that mandatory nonsense. But look at the guys that he took out, Billy Joe Callum and then Caleb Plant, and he did it all in emphatic style. He battered yeah. them, took, yeah. took them out with big finishes, um, yeah. And he was absolutely it's sensational. Retired fucking Billy Joe. M made Billy Joe do the one thing Billy Joe said he'd never do. Quit. Phenomenal. That was uh, that was peak Canelo. My problem is, was that the summit? Is he coming down? You know? Mm. Was, the, was the Bivol defeat a reality check? Again, you will never hear me knock Canelo on this show, and we never have, for the defeat against Bivol. He took. He tried to go one step further. He'd been there before with Kovalev, but that was an agent Kovalev. He tried to beat arguably the best light heavyweight on the planet. He got beat. The bigger guy eventually caught up with him. Now he's come back down. He's back here. He's beat Golovkin. He's beat Ryder. But there's a fresh challenge now. Charlo is super talented. Yeah. Charlo can punch. Charlo's but a very good boxer. Look at the mentality of those fights, though. And look at all the mentality of the fights that when Canelo's been at his very, very best, he's been chasing something. He's been adding something to his trinkets, his, his thing, right? For example, Callum was champion. Billy Joe was champion. Caleb was champion. He's trying to add something to it. He was chasing that undisputed stasis. He achieved it. Now, of course, he goes up to Bivol. He's chasing something. It's not his. It's Bivol's trinket. He falls yeah. short on that particular night. The two fights that followed it are interesting. Golovkin and Ryder. Because he ain't chasing anything. No. So... 
from a Golovkin point of view, it was a trilogy. It was a money thing. Golovkin's coming up from 160 to 168. Canelo's defending. And we go through the motions of that fight. He wins it quite comfortably. Ryder. Again, he's defending something, isn't he? Ryder got himself in that situation from beating Zach Parker, WBO, pings himself up there, gives a great account of himself. I'm talking from a motivational point of view. So I'm trying to play that devil's advocate with uh, with Canelo. Everybody says, oh, he's on the slide. He's coming down the hill. He's, he's doing this. He's doing that. He was beaten by Bivol because Bivol was better than him. That was that. Yeah. The other two fights, I just don't think the motivation was there. And that's kind of where I'm slightly concerned with this mm. because I'm trying to think in my head. He's defending again. What, what is in this for you? Why are you doing it? I understand, obviously, we've signed a deal with PBC, three-fight deal, lucrative. Some big door there, mate, right? I get it. Completely get that. But what's in this for you? What are you chasing? What? Let's be honest. The majority of the boxing fan base now sit here and go, Canelo's going to win that. So what does he gain from it? What's the mm. thing at the end that we all go, wow? Now, okay, the marketing of undisputed versus undisputed, but he doesn't get the 154-pound straps. No, he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't get those things. So what's the thing in his head that is going to get him back to the guy of 2021? Because he's still, listen, yeah, okay, he's had 60-odd fights. He's been pro since he was 15. But what's the thing that is going to take him back one year? It's only 12 months refute. And, and yeah, you're right to point out he's had surgery and all these things. But I think it's something in his head. I don't think he's been fully, right, I'm zoned in now to go and do because I want to achieve this or I'm zoned in now to go and achieve this. What is the thing in this fight for Canelo that goes, right, I can't see it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the promoters have tried to motivate it by obviously label it for what it was, undisputed versus undisputed. But what they've actually done is they've given Charlo the opportunity to become the first man Multi. in history to yeah. become a simultaneous undisputed world champion. No one has ever done that. And he will be simultaneous because he's still got all four belts from light middleweight. And he's gonna he's potentially going to add all four belts from super middleweight. So we will stand alone in the annals of boxing history. Just let me the... correct you on that for a, a split oh. second. Because that you you know that obviously politics gets in the way in this. The yeah, WBO, yeah. the minute the fight starts, are taking that belt off him to upgrade Tim Zoo. But don't let that pass you by. Carry on. <laughs> Out. When's the Tim Sue fight? It's not this weekend, though, is it? No. So he's still under. In our eyes, mate, he's still, still, he's he's still undisputed. He's still yeah, of course. But, but he, he yeah. will be the first simultaneous two weight undisputed champion, which is a four belt here that we're talking. But that's just absolutely incredible. So the motivation for Jamel Charlo isn't just fame, fortune on a global scale, but also we can go. He can, at the moment, he's an elite club of, of, of male world uh, undisputed champions. In fact, he's the only person to ever do it at light middleweight. And if he were beats Canelo, he steps above them all in mm -hmm. the terms of an achievement that nobody else has repeated. That for him is incredible. They never really spoke about that on, on, the, uh, on the preview show or anything, but, or, on, or on All Access. But for me, that's such an incredible opportunity for Jamel Charlo. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still going to be fucking... It's still the toughest fight out there. Realizing that dream is one thing, but you keep I keep coming back to Canelo like you. What's the motivation here now? If Charlo was 
uh, 10 years younger and was undisputed. I'd be like, right, I get it. Canelo was, uh, Canelo was doing to Charlo what Mayweather did to him. Okay. This guy's going to be the fucking future. This is the guy. I'm going to beat him now. And that way, it's on my resume. And then when I leave the sport, I can forevermore go, yeah, see that guy top of the pound for pound? Yeah, man, I made him. I fucking beat him. That's what Mayweather did. And if this was like Tank or Shakur Stevenson, I would go, yeah, that weights, obviously, regardless. But yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Edge, yeah. That would be, I would be like, okay, there's the motivation for Canelo, getting a win over the guy who's going to take over his mantle. But Jamel Charlo is older than Canelo. He's a 37-fight veteran himself. He hasn't got another fucking 20 fights on his resume. Like Canelo, he's probably got a handful of fights left, especially now he's going to get Canelo money. So where does the motivation come from? Plus, he beats Jamel like we expect to this weekend. And if he does it in emphatic fashion especially, then there's a very easy line to draw to go, okay, well, where's Jamal at? Because Jamal, needs the, the older brother by one minute, needs revenge for his twin now. And he's the middleweight champion, so him coming up isn't as big as Jamel coming up. And then that's how they sell that fight. The problem is, obviously, Jamal's not uh, not not well, uh, not well yeah. at the moment. Yeah, he's not well at the moment. So hence the reason why he's probably get, not getting this fight. So when PBC sit down with them and they look at the options and they look at the super middleweight division and they look at... I understand why they've done it, but I'm like you, man. Canelo's saying all the right things, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a lose lose for Canelo. Yeah, I don't get it for him. I, I really, I really don't get it for him. From a, unless, apart from finances, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the fight. From from a from a Charlo point of view, skill wise, because even with all that said, he's going to have to be at his very, very best in order to get something out of this and, and win the fight. Fact, sorry, he hasn't fought since May 2022. Yeah. So he's been inactive. Um, he has absolutely, as you're pointing out, he has the ability to cause Canelo absolute murders. If you look at what Bivol did, mastering range, using his jab right. extremely well, keeping it very basic, long one-twos, Charlo does all this. Absolutely does all this. I don't think he's going to get overrode by the uh, occasion. He seems to be absolutely relevant in the pomp and ceremony of everything that I'm looking at this week. Um, you mentioned his power and his knockouts, right? He's got 19 stoppages in 35 fights. So people will look at that and they'll go, oh, is it, you know, is it, is it, is he that powerful? But if you actually look at recently, that's yeah. when the penny seems to have dropped. Correct. Eight of his last 11 have gone over. So eight, well, eight of his last 10 opponents. Of his last 11. He fought, he fought, uh, what's his name twice, didn't he? Yeah, because he's got a draw in there. He's got a loss in there. He's got a majority uh, 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 draw in there, hasn't he? Sorry, I'm saying eight in his last 10 opponents, but eight in his last 11 fights, same thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry yeah. Uh -huh. but, the, but what my point is, is that of recent times, Bingo. last five years, say, is that the technique, sitting down on his shots, timing his shots, it's all come together. Plus, plus genuine contenders who are coming to win. And yeah, probably. offering affording them opportunities. Very competitive, mate. Very competitive division one five four. They were all beating yeah. each other, weren't they? Fuck and okay, yeah. he's he's got a loss in there as well. But they're all top guys, all coming through. Um, listen, he's he's also shown that he's got a bit of something upstairs as well. Because I put in the draw, I thought he lost against the Castagno. Yes. I thought he yes. lost that fight. So to go away, rectify it, come back, and then stop Castagno in the rematch, Bingo. mate. The dude's got something. 
He's absolutely got all the technique. He's obviously got something between his ears. I don't think it's a surprise if he beats Canelo at the weekend. No. I know that people will go wild about it. He says, oh, he's come up two weights and he's done this. And he's... I look, I'm looking at where they're both at right now. I think he can do this, you know. I think he can win. I think he can win. I, would, I don't know whether I'm going to bet on him winning and find out tomorrow on Nick's picks. I think he absolutely can win. And when you look at us, at that record that he's got, as you say, he's got a loss and he's got a draw on there. The draw, he should have lost. I thought Castaño did enough. He should have lost. Straight rematch, rectifies it, chins Castaño. And when he needed to, he danced, he boxed, he looked great. Yeah. And when he needed to, he dug his, he put his feet on the canvas and went to Castaño, come on then, let's have it. And he actually drops him with an uppercut in that 10th, 11th round. Yeah, beautiful. Which then led to the finish. Fantastic. But it was in tight. It was Castano's world. He beat him in. And then the loss on his record against Tony Harrison, just to, to for some balance. I thought he won that fight. I thought he just <laughs> nicked it against Tony Harrison. That was a close fight. I think the, I don't know if it was unanimous or whatever, but it was a split decision. When you yeah. watch that back, I remember watching it going, I thought Charlo nicked that, to be fair with you. Straight rematch with Tony Harrison. He goes and stops Tony Harrison in the 11th round as well, just like he did. Uh, uh, well, Castano with 10, Harrison yeah, in yeah. 11th. Like, he makes adjustments and he can make, he can. The thing with Canelo that you ain't, you ain't looking for tape, are you? Everyone watches Canelo. Everybody's watched a lot of, everyone watches Canelo's fights. The world stops turning on its axis, the boxing world at least, when Canelo fights. So it's not like you have to do any research. Everyone in and around his weight division has always talked about it. And what's interesting here is that Charlos, both of them, since they started pro and signed with Golden Boy, they were on the same roster as Canelo, in and around the same weight divisions. And they maintained that back then, they were like, we, we both want to fight Canelo. We want to fight Canelo. We want to fight Canelo. So it's always been in his mind that one day he would fight Canelo, which makes things so much easier when the fight does come around because... You've been working towards this guy and you've been critiquing and watching every one of his fights going, well, I'd do this, I'd do that. I wouldn't do this, I'd do that. And that's how I'll beat him. And that's how these guys have won in the past. And there's the, where does Canelo comes into camp? 10 weeks out, 12 weeks out going, right. So it's Charlo then. Yeah, right. Okay. Let's start the preparation. Whereas Charlo was already out in his mind. That's the problem when you're the king of the castle. Everybody is always dreaming about one day fighting you. I think that will give Charlo an edge. Again, come back to the same thing I said at the very beginning. What does Charlo look like with an extra 12 pound on his back? Yeah, yeah, okay. What will he look like then? Because that's that's the problem himself and Derek James has got. And that, that's been a great relationship, by the way. They've really blossomed together as a coach and a, and a fighter. And, and one of the main reasons why Derek James is, is currently trainer of the year, coach of the year. But the... How have they put that together? Because speed of foot is so important. As soon as you put your feet down, Canelo's going to chop you to bits. Did you just say Derek James is trainer of the year? He is, isn't he? How have you come up with that? Isn't he current trainer of the year? Didn't he win it? I mean, didn't he win it Oh, last, last year. year. All right. I, yeah, thought yeah, you, yeah. I thought you were having him in for this year. No, no, no. no. no Listen, I think he won, he won my, it last my year, man at Manchester Knicks, the trainer of the yeah. year, Sunshine. <laughs> 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 oh dear, fucking hell. When I get what you mean. All right, off, last year. Like, uh, coming up, in it? October 9th? Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks, yeah. October the 9th. Yeah, I've got it in me. Manchester Crown Cup. I've got it in me diet. Um, yeah. Poor Beaumont. Manchester October the 9th. Anyway, yeah, and, and I think that how they've done that 
how far they've gone. You know, will it will he make 168? Or will he like Canelo's done in the past at weighing at like 164, 165, not to not put too much emphasis on it. The problem is Canelo's last fight because a lot of the chat was like, well, Canelo used to be a light middleweight just like me. So, you know, he's put the weight on. Yeah, man. If that was a year ago, sound. When was Canelo's last fight at like middleweight? Like fucking six, seven years. Definitely before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Was it Liam Smith? Liam Might Smith. Have been Liam, Might Smith. Be Liam Smith. Yeah. yeah. That's that's at least six, seven years ago. Since then, Canelo's gone fucking jacked. And we all know one reason why he got so jacked. But he, he's a proper fucking solid super middleweight now. With the and he's got frightening power. He's always had frightening power. And if he hits Charlo the way Castano hit Charlo, okay. Castano opened up, Charlo hit him with the uppercut, game over. And he was winning that fight anyway. But I just think that if he plants his feet to get Canelo's respect, Canelo will tear him an arse, tear him a new one. I don't think he will. I think he'll box, mate. Dance. I don't I don't think he can stop Canelo, but I think he can I think he can outbox him. Mm-hmm. Can he do it over 12? And will he get a decision? With a big rucks with a rucksack of 12 pounds on his back, effectively. Yeah, man. That, that's 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 just. It's a great fight. It's a oh, great great fight. I'm all in on it. Honestly, I'm all in on it. I'm all in. Well, you've not you've not much else choice, pal. This weekend, have you? So no wonder you're all in. <laughs> but I'd be all in anyway. It is a it's a fantastic fight. Again, motivations from Canelo. Where are they at? We know what the motivations are for uh, Charlo. Can he go up two weights? Oh, mate, great fight. And well done again. I know that we bashed a few broadcasters on this show today. Well done to Zone for getting the fight to provide it for rare uh, British fight fans uh, as part of their normal Hell subscription yes. if they do have one. All right, cool. Job done. Uh, there you go. That concludes our boxing show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday to review all of that. So make sure you tune into it so you can join along with the uh, talking points that we get stuck into on Monday. You can subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. Everything is there for you, including a link to our YouTube channel. And if you are a consumer of podcasts, and YouTube content, we have a channel, Fight Disciples. Go there, hit the button, subscribe to it, uh, and interact with us. All right? Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.